Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Deanna. And this is Historical. So Deanna. <laughs> so Michelle. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so sorry for jinxing you and willing the universe to give you and my brother coronavirus. It's okay. It's forgiven. It was our time apparently, but glad to be back. Yeah. Missed everyone. And you're feeling good? Feeling a million times better than I did uh, a when week we, ago. Yeah. I was like, when? <laughs> a week ago. Time flies. Yeah. But yeah, feeling way better. Um, yeah. And I missed you guys. And I did listen to the episode. You did a great job. Thank you. Um, as I was listening, I mentally was responding in my head as if we were recording. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was there, but like in spirit. But not. But not. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you're back. It was an interesting experience recording by myself. So uh, let's not do that again. <laughs> I mean, unless the people love it. Maybe maybe they'll send us DMs and be like, no more Deanna. And oh it's my all God. yours. N- never. <laughs> this is a me and you thing forever. Oh, forever. <laughs> all right. So on that happy note, let's get into something that's not so happy. Yeah. It's a, it's a bitter argument all around the globe. Mm-hmm. Very spirited arguments. That is abortion rights. Yes. And the right to choice. Yes. Specifically, we are going to be talking about the landmark case in the United States called Roe versus Wade. I'll probably just say Roe v. Wade or Roe for shorthand throughout the episode. But this case really set the legal precedent for abortion rights over the last 50 years or so in America. And currently it is June 2022 when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. A decision is coming soon that could overturn this, which would completely erase a lot of what's happened in the last 50 years. So kind of what I wanted to talk about today is not so much opinion, but rather what was Roe versus Wade? Right. I know like conceptually what came out of it, but honestly, I don't know too much about what happened, the case, um, and all of the facts like leading up to it. So I'm actually really, um, really interested to to learn about this today. Totally. I was actually the same. I, I knew that it was the case that created abortion rights, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, how that happened, all the twists and turns that kind of came after it and all the amendments that came after, or uh, I guess, let me say addendums to the Roe versus Wade ruling, maybe mm-hmm. not amendments. And yeah, so it was really interesting to learn about it all. And obviously it's such a hot topic right now in the US. So I thought you guys should all know as well. Exactly. The who, what, why, and where. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Okay, so our story is going to start with a woman named Norma McCorvey. She was born in the state of Louisiana, and she had quite the tumultuous life. She had gotten in trouble with the law a few times for things like petty theft and also being caught kissing a female friend, which got her in trouble as a teenager. The horror. The horror, yeah. 
come on now. This is also the 1970s. I know. I was like, what is this taking <laughs> yeah. place? I'm like, I just looked. I'm like, I, I don't know how I missed not saying that or miss saying that. But yeah, this is the or this is uh, the 60s at this point, probably. Okay. Um, so we're, we're, we're starting to get a little more progressive, but we're not quite there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah. yeah. So she actually bounced around schools for a while before landing herself at a state school, which... I didn't look too much into it, and I just saw it always referenced as a state school, but it kind of seemed like a state school for troubled youths. Oh, got it. (laughs) Something like that, yeah. Okay. So after being released from the state school, she would be sent home to go live with, I think, like her mother's cousin or something like that. And it was here that she alleged that she was raped by this cousin. Oh. And she also kind of mentioned later on in a memoir that she would intentionally get in trouble to be sent back to the state school because her home life was so crazy mm. and hectic that she was like, I that, that state school was my happy place. I felt good there, and I intentionally did things to go back to it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So pretty much all in all, by the time she's 16, she had seen some stuff. Yeah. She had experienced some stuff, and it was a really rough road for her. At 16, she actually met a man by the name of Elwood McCorvey, which is where she would go on to get her last name, McCorvey, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like seven years older than her, and they met at a restaurant that she was working at. Okay. Apparently... He hollered, she hollered back. Little work romance. <laughs> Little work romance. Oh, yeah. I love it. But it wasn't so great. Oh, okay. As per most of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. I know. I was like going to root for her for a second. Yeah, no. Poor thing. So shortly after they were married, he turned out to be a major douchebag, and it ended up that he was abusing her. Oh. She had gotten pregnant very quickly. Very into early the, on. Very early on, yeah, into the marriage. And he apparently had beat her while she was pregnant. And oh. yeah, she ended up leaving him, divorcing him. I think all in all, they were together for about two years. So she gives birth to this daughter, and she goes to go home and live with her mother. But I mean, at this point, she's... I don't know, 18, 17. She's a child having a child. Child having a child had gone through so much strife in her life Mm -hmm. that she turned to drugs and alcohol. Um, at one point her, like her mother and her would battle all the time. And at one point, apparently again, later in her memoir, she would go on to say that her mother tricked her into signing paperwork that allowed her mother to adopt her daughter legally and then kicked Norma out of the house. Oh my gosh. And kind of kidnapped her daughter in a way. Mm -hmm. But so then she left and she moved to Texas. So in Texas, she would actually go on to kind of experiment with her sexuality. She claimed to be a lesbian for a while, but she would kind of go both ways at the same time. Mm -hmm. She ended up being pregnant two more times. The second time she became pregnant, she gave the child up for adoption. And that was decided before she gave birth and she never had any interaction. Her mother obviously didn't, it wasn't like one of those situations. She just gave them up for adoption. By the time she came pregnant for a third time, this is the one where really things start to ramp up in our story, I guess you could say. Okay. So she becomes pregnant with a third child and her friend's advisor 
hey, have you ever thought about abortion, right? Because mm-hmm. she's been pregnant twice now. She, she didn't really have an interest in raising a child. And she was like, wow, you're looking at nine months down the barrel, right? And mm-hmm. then to go through all that again, she knew it was a long, extensive process. So her friends kind of recommended this to her, and she went to her local doctor. The doctor in Texas advised her, this is illegal for me to perform this for you. Mm-hmm. Unless that there is some sort of, I think there was some circumstances, like unless there was some sort of health risk to the mother, then one could be performed. But really that was in very rare cases. And for the majority that the doctor could not perform it. Got it. He also went on to say that he was actually obligated to report any doctors who did perform the surgery. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so that kind of was a sentiment that was all around the U.S. at the time. Mm-hmm. There was, um, in, in most states, it was really just like not legal unless there was some health risks involved. And a lot of people had to turn to some... Um, Less than satisfactory alternatives. I unsafe methods? Unsafe, yeah. yes. So instead, the doctor en- ended up offering her a phone number to some adoption lawyer saying, hey, I can't do this for you, but if you don't want the child, you can give birth and then adopt it. She felt defeated. Mm-hmm. And she went back to her girlfriends and was like, the doctor wouldn't perform this for me. So one friend says, okay, I have someone that does abortions on the side a lot of times they're referred to as like back alley abortions right Mm -hmm. so these are clinics or operations that that will perform an abortion but just not in like a typical medical setting because it's like a black market abortion i guess you could say oh okay yeah so she gets an address to go to this place. She saves up some money. She goes only to find that it had been raided a couple weeks before mm-hmm. and shut down by the state. So she's like, okay. And even though she had saved up some money, the, her only other option was to go to another state to get the abortion. Because mm-hmm. again, the laws were by state. And while most of them, especially in the South near Texas, were probably going to say the same thing, unless there's some substantial health risk, you can't get an abortion. Yeah, That meant that she had to go really far away to maybe a northern state with a little bit more relaxed laws in order to get the abortion. And she couldn't afford that, like many people, right? right. It, it takes a, a lot of financial means to make that happen for yourself yeah so she was just kind of like i don't know what to do i don't want to give birth to this child i want an abortion and she didn't know what to do so mm-hmm. she turned to the adoption lawyer she's like i, I guess i'm going to talk to him you yeah. know like she has no other option at this point right <laughs> exactly yeah so when she meets with the adoption lawyer he was like i hear you i can't do anything for you except for provide adoption services but I can refer you to actually these two attorneys here in Dallas. They are putting together a legal case against Dallas County and Texas itself to push more pro-abortion rights mm-hmm. to be like pushed through, I guess you could say. So these two attorneys are Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington. And they were doing just that. And they were just looking for the perfect person to be their like key point in their case. The yeah. case example of how are we going to then sue the county? We need someone with an actual case. So she goes and meets with these two attorneys. And they decide to move forward with the case. Mm-hmm. And 
after that, Norma would go on to be known as the Jane Roe. Oh, in, got it. Yes, Roe versus Wade. So that's yeah. where that comes from. I was wondering. I'm like, okay, we're talking about Norma. I'm yeah. Like, Who's Roe? But so, that makes sense. Yeah, her identity was hidden for the entire case. No oh, one wow. knew who she was. Okay. And she was just known as Jane Roe. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, right? There's Jane Doe, Jane Roe, John, John Smith. I don't know if that's one, but that's... Yeah. Sure. Um, the Wade part in that name is actually, that was the district attorney's name, was Henry Wade in Dallas County. Oh, okay. So that's kind of how, like, the case naming conventions work, I guess you could say, is that, like, it's against the district attorney. Who kinda, oversees the county. Yeah, so we'll Got talk it. about a couple other cases where it's kind of the same thing. Got it. We'll see last names, and, and that's where those names come from. Gotcha. So, therefore, the case became known as what it is today, Roe versus Wade. Okay, so now we're going to kind of talk about the trial itself. Mm-hmm. Really, there was obviously the two sides to it. On the Roe side, the pro-choice side, they argued that the Texas law claiming that no one could get an abortion unless it was for medical reasons actually invaded an individual's right to liberty. And this was protected by the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. So this amendment actually reads, quote, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction to equal protections of the law. So a lot of legal jargon there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much what it's saying is that, like, people... Be fair. Sh- be fair, <laughs> right? Yeah. People are protected themselves, their property, their stuff, their own being, et cetera, et cetera. What they were fighting for was that that liberty piece of it, that everyone... No one has... No state shall deprive any person of liberty. They were saying that that liberty includes one one's right to privacy. Makes and sense. And under that would be the right to have an abortion if they so choose. Mm -hmm. So that was the kind of their... Their angle. Their fighting point, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so really it's that term liberty. And this is because liberty had been interpreted this way for decades in the legal system. So there was precedent that backed it up, that this liberty term meant right to privacy. Yeah. So their argument was that the law that Texas was imposing was unconstitutional based on these facts. They also made it really clear that they were fighting for the right of choice and not fighting if abortion was morally correct or not. Mm-hmm. And I really like that they made this point because I think it's something that is so removed from the conversation a lot of the time Yeah, when you talk about people's opinions on it. So I really liked what one of the attorneys said in trial, and she said, quote, We are not here to advocate abortion. We do not ask this court to rule that abortion is good or desirable in any particular situation. We are here to advocate that the decision as to whether or not a particular woman will continue to carry or will terminate a pregnancy is a decision that should be made by the individual. That, in fact, she has a constitutional right to make that decision for herself, end quote. 
So I really like the way they said that. Yeah, that me too. The argument here isn't whether it's right or not. Mm-hmm. The argument is whether they're allowed to choose, not based on religion or political affiliation or personal opinion. Right. right. It's it's not that it's right or wrong. It's that someone has the right to choose that for themselves. So I think that was a really fair point and really like encompasses my view on abortion rights. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Me too. So there's that. On the flip side, on the anti-abortion Wade side, they actually argued the opposite side of that 14th Amendment interpretation. They argued that the 14th Amendment actually protected the fetus as a person who is owed those same protections. Mm. They are owed a right to liberty and property and all those things, and that therefore the 14th Amendment actually protects them in their life rather than the woman's right to choose for them. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting too. I'm like, Again, not knowing anything about this case, really, yeah. like before going into it, I thought, I'm like, what? Yeah, it is. The, all of the amendments could be read so subjectively mm-hmm. that I kind of thought, yeah, what an interesting way to interpret that. Yeah, when you were starting to talk about it, I'm like, what were they counter arguing? But interest. I guess I would have never personally thought of that as the counter argument, but I see what they were trying to do there. Totally. Yeah. Ultimately, the court ruled in favor of the Roe side, the pro-choice side, effectively making all current abortion laws in the United States obsolete. Mm -hmm. So um, another thing for those that may not realize or maybe someone listening from a different country, obviously we have a lot of states and there are governments in each of those states. So it makes it very confusing (laughs) when you're talking about what's legal and what's not because Mm -hmm. it could be legal. For instance, in... The state of Illinois, where we live, uh, marijuana is legal, but federally, uh, the country of the United States of America does not say that it's legal. Yep. So I know we've talked about this before in like drug tests. Deanna works in HR. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I said it, and I was like, okay. So we've talked about it before with like drug testing and stuff for, mm-hmm. for jobs or for whatever. Is that like, while it might be legal in my state of Illinois, it's not federally legal and then therefore is still technically illegal. Right. Yeah. And the employer can make the discernation whether or not they want to honor the state or the federal law. Ex- so there you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's very complex, unnecessarily, in my opinion. Right. And this is a perfect example of all laws, I feel like, in the United States, is that they all can kind of be termed, like, deemed this way, mm-hmm. of like what the state's saying, what the federal level is saying, etc. At the core of it, I think technically federal, like, overrides, but like... It's, it's, I don't know. It's very annoying, yeah. especially in the HR space. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I do not, uh, I do not envy you for your job. <laughs> so it, there's a lot that can be left up to interpretation mm-hmm. and a lot that can and cannot be enforced depending on the situation. Yep. So in this case, though, they said, yeah, if you have any abortion laws, you can no longer enforce them because the U.S. Supreme Court has now ruled that, yes, we agree with the Roe side. Abortion is protected under the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. Another thing that they also kind of set a precedent for in this ruling was they kind of expanded the definition of what a risk to the mother was, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the 
the pre-existing Texas law was unless there's some sort of health risk to the mother. So the justices of the Supreme Court acknowledged that risks could include many things Mm -hmm. like financial burden and mental health social stigmas and of course obviously physical health i think that's the one that people think of most but they kind of expanded that and acknowledged that it could mean a lot of different things yeah maybe that the the mother can't afford to raise a child or another child or whatever the thing is um that it would affect their mental health in a negative way and that the child's uh, quality of life would be therefore diminished because of it right that makes sense yeah so the ruling was actually made by a 7-2 vote, which is a pretty big deciding number. Yeah, a it's lot a big of, majority. Yeah, a lot of times it's a little bit closer than that. So I thought it was really surprising that it was it was such a big gap in between. Right. Um, additionally, with this ruling, states still had the right to create any sort of regulations around the lo- abortion laws that they saw fit, so long as they did not prohibit abortion as it was established in Roe v. Wade. So they could still make certain stipulations, stuff like that. Um, it also outlined the timing in which you could get an abortion, too. There was, like, a, the three trimester rules, something like that, mm-hmm. and um, kind of outlined some more stuff. But from that moment, this was happened in 1973. This is when... From this day in 1973, we have still kind of operated based on the foundation of Roe v. Wade. It's still brought up in court cases, and it's still mentioned as precedent. When did we find out it was Norma? Do you know that? We do. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, am I jumping ahead in your script? <laughs> oh, a little bit. <laughs> but it wasn't. wouldn't be until after the case that people would find out it's Norma. Got it. So kind of, yeah, swifting, switching back to Norma for a second. This case was ruled on in 1973. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant, I think, at the end of 69, maybe 70, early 70s. So anyway, if you know anything about the legal system in the U.S., is that it takes a very long time. So, yes, during this time, Norma actually gave birth to the child. Yeah. Because even though the case was essentially fighting for her right to get an abortion, it took so long that she had no choice. Right. And she gave birth to the child, another daughter, who she also gave up for adoption. So Jane Rowe's identity, like I just said, was was revealed after the trial. I think it was she herself that came forward and was like, hi, I'm Norman McCorvey. I'm Jane Rowe. Interesting. So they did the whole court case without her actually testifying, just like yeah. kind of like, I guess, like anonymous statements from her. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So and it was kind of fighting on, on behalf of her is mm-hmm. what it kind of seems like. Kind of jumping back into Norma's life and what it kind of transpired until like her eventual death in 2017 is that she ended up in a 23 year long relationship with her pony partner connie gonzalez mm-hmm. so she was in a lesbian relationship and very active in the pro-choice movement but also she was a little angsty. So she would go on to write, I think, a total of two memoirs at two different stages in her life. But pretty much she was kind of upset about the whole situation. Mm -hmm. She would later go on and say that 
Her attorneys in the case really kind of just treated her like a loose cannon. They didn't really trust her opinion or trust her on the stand because she was kind of just all over the place. Mm. And they didn't really take her seriously. And she was really offended by that. She was also really offended at the fact that no one told her up front when she agreed to be Jane Roe that she would so much time would pass before a ruling was made that she would have to give birth to her child yeah she would later go on and say things like i went in there and was very clear i do not want to give birth to this child i want an abortion can you help me get this and Mm. they had to have known that it was going to take a long time but they never said anything to her so she just kind of felt a little bit used and abused by the pro-choice movement makes sense yeah but she was still pretty uh Uh, involved in the activism and all of that. And this is kind of where she takes a 180 in her life. And this is in like the 1990s, okay? So she is, this is almost two decades, I think two decades after the ruling was made in Mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade. She ended up befriending a priest who was frequently protesting outside of a woman's health clinic and they became genuine friends and he kind of brought her into the faith eventually converting her to a catholic and having her baptized and all of this and norma would go on to say like he actually cared about me as a person and not just me as um some sort of figure to be tossed around and used in the media right Mm -hmm. he cared about me as a human being and he wanted to see me turn to god and that's what she did and she denounced her relationship she denounced um Hmm. her sexual preference and she became a catholic and then also became a a anti-abortion activist really very outspoken she says that she wished she was she was never part of it she was against abortions and that she felt that there was something missing in her life um, oh, because of the way that she fought for abortion rights in the United States. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. Totally. It was it was kind of the weirdest situation, I think, that I didn't expect to come out of this whole situation. Yeah. So she only passed away in 2017 at, like, oh I think 69 from some heart complications. But she had kind of burned a lot of bridges with both sides, the anti-abortion and the pro-choice movements. And really, like, no one kind of claimed her after she passed away. No mm-hmm. one no one was saying, like, oh, the the pro-choice or the anti-abortion woman. They were just saying, like, Jane Roe, you know? Like, so I do really feel a lot of sadness for her and her life that yeah. she lived. I feel like she, she had a tough... A tough life in general, it sounds like. She had a tough life and I feel like was just kind of taken advantage of on a lot of sides. So RIP Jane Rowe. Okay, so now we're kind of going to shift into talking about how this case, I guess, became the foundation for abortion rights. I think that was a question that I had that I was like... It's not like they made a new law saying abortion was legal. Mm -hmm. There is no law that says that. It was just a court ruling. Like, how did this affect abortion rights for the last 50 years? It's that precedence, right? That's like, that's like literally. We ruled it this way. Literally the next sentence I have (laughs) written is it's because of precedent. Yeah, it was like (laughs) HR, employment cases, precedent. Got it. It's all about precedent. So precedent is kind of the creation of a standard or an example to use to base other things off of. Mm -hmm. So once the Supreme Court rules on a case, it creates that precedent. It creates like 
a foundation and they kind of become laws themselves without being explicitly written down. Right. Which is nice because they don't have to go through a legal rigmarole, especially we know in the U.S. we're so divided that it's almost impossible to create any laws at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But also at the same time, on the flip side of that, they can very easily just be removed because there's nothing legally binding them into existence Mm -hmm. it's just the supreme court's opinion uh in this case the texas laws banning abortion were deemed unconstitutional because they went against the 14th amendment so now they have ruled and set the precedent and now all abortion laws are deemed obsolete as i stated before so i thought that was really just important to point out Mm -hmm. so kind of going along with that same thread is that roe v wade has actually been the backbone of other prominent cases in the U.S., meaning that other cases have cited Roe v. Wade as the foundation and as the precedent for why they're going to court over whatever they're going to court for, right? So a large one that actually kind of also was a big contributor to abortion rights was in the 90s. And this was the case of Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey. Hmm. So, I don't think I've actually heard of this one. Yeah, I don't think that I had either, but a lot of people refer to it as Casey. Okay. And once I knew that, I kind of flitted back through articles or whatever, like any information I just had stored in my mind. And I was like, this makes sense. I've definitely heard Casey referred to before. Yeah. But didn't know, again, what it was. Yeah. What were they arguing? <laughs> So in this case, they were actually fighting some new laws that Pennsylvania had implemented. Um, These were things like needing parental consent prior to an abortion for any minors. There was also um, a requirement for notification of the husband for any age woman who wanted to get an abortion. Oh, interesting. So, so meaning you would have to like tell, like say, like yes, my husband is aware and agrees to this abortion before getting one. What if there was no legal, like if it wasn't your husband, exactly. if it was like your boyfriend or a random or a rape or yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> that's kind of the point. It's like, yeah. what? That's a... That's, that's ridiculous. That's a pretty big assumption. Yeah. I'm sure also, too, that you could go in and say, like, I'm unwed, and then there was some other things that would occur. But mm-hmm. the case itself was saying that these new implementations were unconstitutional because they were creating unbeatable obstacles for some women, which was therefore going against the precedent set by Roe versus Wade. Right. If, like... I mean, if the husband didn't sign off, then what? They couldn't do it? Exactly like, right. If the parent didn't sign off or if, like, whatever, then you're back to square one. Right. And sometimes it wasn't even just the sign-offs. It was things like they required a lengthy counseling prog- uh, process or uh, this that you had to do, all these things that you had to accomplish before you could get the actual abortion, right? And a lot of people said these are unfeasible for a lot of people yeah. and will actually – result in an abortion not occurring because of all these obstacles people can't get over all of them or it might be more dangerous further along in the pregnancy right exactly yeah so in the end planned parenthood won this case and while they won there was is still kind of like a mixed pot so rules like parental consent for minors that stuck mm-hmm. and i think that one kind of makes a little bit of sense cuz if they're underage right like there's some yeah. sort of Um, responsibility the parent has for the well-being of their child, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay. But things like notification of husband, stuff like that, like those were reevaluated and mainly dismissed. But this was all under the idea of like a new hot buzzword, vocab word, I guess you could say, <laughs> which became really unpo- or really popular was undue burden. And that pretty much summarizes all of what I had just said before of like undefeatable obstacles. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. So the new Supreme Court president became abortion is a choice as determined in Roe v. Wade, but no states can implement a law that's going to be so difficult for someone to get over that they cannot obtain the abortion, right? So this undue burden, like you can't put so much burden on a woman where they just are like, well, I can't, I guess. Right, like too many obstacles to make it just overwhelming and like at the end of the day, like, you can't do what you're trying to do. Right. Because then it would prevent them from getting an abortion and then therefore goes against Roe v. Wade. Right. Makes sense. Casey became kind of an addendum to Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. but it was very subjective, right? This term of undue burden. So a lot of states have gotten really creative in the way that they've created laws against abortion that aren't quite going against undue burden and mm-hmm. Casey, but they're like just kind of twisted things they're a little bit. Creative interpretations. Exactly. Got it. So this has kind of become a huge issue. And we'll actually come back to this at the end here. Kind of flash forwarding to present day. Let's talk about the Supreme Court leak. Yeah, what's happening now? Right? <laughs> this is kind of what like brought it up. we were done with this. <laughs> yeah. So I was really confused at this because I was like, I don't know what's been leaked. And everyone's saying, like, no law or no new ruling has been passed down. So I'm like, okay, so then what was leaked? You know? So anyway, I was really confused. So here's the okay. team. The leak itself was a draft letter stating only the opinion on an upcoming case. Okay. So it was just like an email to someone saying it wasn't an email. It was actually like an official drafted letter, but it was pretty much saying. Like, but it wasn't the final version. It was a hey, draft. Right. Hey, Deanna, I think I'm going to have pizza for dinner on Friday night. I don't know. Check back with me on Friday night and see if I had pizza. Okay. It's kind of like that, right? Got it. The upcoming case in question is Dobbs versus the Jackson Women's Health Organization. And this is in the state of Mississippi. It is challenging a state law saying abortion is only legal before 15 weeks. The case is fighting to say that this is unconstitutional to put the the, the deadline at 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. And now this is due to something else called fetal viability. This is pretty much the ability of a fetus to survive outside of the womb. So Mississippi is saying that at 15 weeks, a fetus can survive outside of the womb. And that therefore, that is the cutoff to get an abortion. Where Roe and Casey kind of set the markers at about 23 to 24 weeks. Who's to say? There's so many studies out there that say so many contradictory things and it's so difficult to really say, right? Right. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm like, I don't actually know. I don't actually know either. I don't know. Could a fetus survive after that time? Could it not? Like, I don't, I don't know. It just seems... Yeah. Something beyond my means. Yep. <laughs> my uh, my knowledge. Yeah. I'm not the right person to weigh in on this. <laughs> right. So the Jackson Women's Health Organization out of Mississippi is saying, hey, this 15-week law, this is unconstitutional. It's going against Roe v. Wade and also the Casey case. So essentially, their whole case is based on Roe v. Wade. 
Oh, okay. And Casey. Casey is also based on Roe v. Wade. Right. So if those rulings were to be overturned and the Supreme Court would change its mind on the interpretation of right to privacy of the 14th Amendment, then Roe v. Wade would become null and void. So would Casey. And so would this case in general. Mm. So this is what's at stake right now. And I don't know if you remember when Amy Coney Barrett was put up for a nomination a couple years ago and everyone was like in an uproar because they knew her her like thoughts on abortion. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, this is the end of Roe v. Wade. But then people were like, but how is one woman going to do that? I think it was because this case was already, it was still in the state courts, but people assumed that it was going to go to the Supreme Court. Oh, interesting. And that she could just be another vote towards overturning it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what's at stake here. If they decide the Supreme Court to just say, you know what, Roe v. Wade isn't constitutional, we're going to overturn it and we're going to agree with the state of Mississippi, that is what is up for debate right now. Oh, wow. Okay. So kind of going back to the letter, again, it was a draft letter. It was not like an official opinion, but it was pretty much saying Yeah, four of the nine justices agree that we want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Oh, okay. Four of the nine. Gotcha. Um, Again, they kind of came out afterward, too, and said, the Supreme Court justices, they were like, this is just a draft. Right. This is not a final decision. The final decision is actually going to come pretty soon here. So this episode's getting released on June 13th, 2022. And the decision is meant to come out at the end of June, beginning of July, 2022. So we're going to know in the next couple of weeks what actually was decided. I think this was leaked in the beginning of May of this year. So mm-hmm. okay. there was like a, a waiting period, right? So pretty much, yeah, they're saying like, yeah, four out of the nine of us are prepared to say, yeah, you know what? Roe v. Wade is not constitutional and therefore we're reversing our ruling on it. The reason this is so, I guess, such a big issue because it's four out of the nine, right? Mm -hmm. But that's still the minority vote. There's one guy and that's Chief Justice uh, John Roberts. He has the potential for being a swing vote. So I guess it's been suggested that his beliefs on Roe v. Wade is that it protects women's opportunity to seek an abortion, but it has nothing to do with like the timeline of the fetal viability, like in the Mississippi case Mm -hmm. so that in this case in particular he could vote on the conservative side which would then also trigger an overturn of Roe v. Wade. There's a lot of different theories out there as to what could potentially happen and also like why this was leaked in the first place. Yeah. I was kind of reading some of the theories on why and who would have done it. Could it have been you know the pro-choice or the anti-abortion side? Um, Conservatives, liberals, red, blue, blah, blah. God, we're so divided here. But um, some of the the major ones that I saw were because the four conservative justices that were voting, that could potentially vote to overturn Raid, they're listed in this draft opinion letter that was leaked. Mm -hmm. So by now having that public knowledge, it kind of forces them to keep their opinion, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's like you've been outed as like, you're going to vote this way. And so if you changed it before the final, it's like, but why? It also could be a push towards the opposite. Right. Now that people know ahead of time. They're like, absolutely not. That you're going to vote to the left or one way that you're going to vote. You might change it to the right. 
Another thing is that people say that maybe it was a conservative that leaked it to kind of show the more liberal justices that like, look, you're up against four votes, okay? They just need one vote, one more vote. Like you guys are done for. I hate to say it that way, but that's kind of how the American political system works. Yeah. Um, and then on the reverse side, it could have been a liberal t- trying to show the the liberal justices saying, hey, you guys are at risk here. There are four justices ready to vote against you. you right. Know? Like you need to make sure that the other five of you are on the same page. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a lot of different speculation as to why it was leaked. Yeah. But ultimately, I think that it's... It is what it is, right? Yeah, we'll know soon. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll know soon, which is kind of terrifying. This actually wouldn't be the first time that a leak has come out of the Supreme Court. They are notoriously private, so it is extremely rare that this happens, but it has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. One notable time that a leak came out of the Supreme Court before a ruling was passed was actually in Roe versus Wade. Was it impactful? Did it help or did it hurt? It came or out, I think, a, I think it came out a couple hours before the decision was announced. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't, it didn't sway anybody. Like it was pretty much a done deal at that point, but it, it was definitely released. Someone leaked it before it actually came out. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to kind of round it off with what happens next? Yeah. If Roe is overturned, like many laws, that's going to be left up to the states. And just like before this case, different states have different opinions and will have different laws. Mm -hmm. And it will kind of revert back to that. Um, The U.S. is still a very segregated country as far as beliefs. The Civil War was like well over 100 years ago, but I feel like we are still in that North and South kind of mentality, maybe with like the New West thrown into that mix. (laughs) But like we definitely have, we are, this is why we're such a split country is because like we've foundationally just always been different things. Right. And so there's a lot of dividing lines and a lot of those lines still remain between the North and the South. As far as abortion rights... It's expected that a lot of northern states, a lot of western states are going to retain abortion rights. Mm -hmm. And some of them going as far as even implementing laws to further protect those rights. Okay. I think Illinois' governor, he made a statement saying that Illinois will always have abortion rights and we will go out of our way to make sure that those never go away. Okay. A lot of southern states have said the opposite. They're ready. They got their guns loaded and they're ready to pull the trigger on these new laws Mm -hmm. that they're going to roll out if... Roe v. Wade is overturned. Some states even, too, they never got rid of their old laws. They never, like, erased them from their law library. I don't know. Their Bill of Rights. So states like Iowa, Ohio, and South Carolina, they have these pre-Roe versus Wade laws on their books. So if Roe versus Wade is overturned, they don't need to do anything. These laws will just come back into effect. They've always been out there, been but been able to be like implemented mm-hmm. because of Roe versus Wade. But now if that's gone, then they're just back to that. They don't even have to touch anything. They're just set up to go. There's also some laws that are called trigger laws, which a lot of states are creating, which is pretty much like these laws will be triggered by the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and these will prevent any abortions from happening within their state. Um, There's also a lot of talk about new laws being created 
to protect um, traveling state to state, right? So mm. we were kind of talking about Norma McCorvey. She was in Texas. That was very far from any state that would allow a pregnancy for or an abortion for her. So she would have had to travel a far distance to do that. One, not everyone has means to do that. Right. That's, I mean, I remember like back when I was like 18, God, I would cross my fingers that my car would make it a quarter mile to work not a quarter mile a couple miles and that i would have walked if it was a quarter mile <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like you know i i could never trust my cars growing up as yeah. a teenager or young 20 something to drive a very long distance okay so for a lot of people this is really just like an unattainable goal right right to to go and do this so some states are actually implementing laws in order to protect any women coming to their state to get an abortion. Okay. They're saying that if you come here for an abortion, don't worry. We'll protect you in any way that we can legally. Like, we'll we'll make this happen for you because we believe in your right to choice. Got it. On the flip side, some states are actually gearing up to implement laws to penalize women who go to another state in order to get an abortion. Wow. So pretty much if Roe v. Wade is overturned which most people are saying is like it's going to happen it only takes one vote it really only takes one vote either way right right um from what it looks like from that leaked document so we're in a very precarious place right now it's really going to be a state by state thing we live in Illinois again very pro-choice state so I think it'll have a pretty low impact on on us here but there are states that don't have that same right I guess to kind of summarize everything that I took away from this episode and even kind of just to interject some of my personal beliefs is I really love what that attorney said in the Roe v. Wade trial. Yeah, me too. She really just made it like, this isn't to say that abortion is morally correct or not. This is to say that we are fighting for women to just have the choice Mm -hmm. because people might not believe the same things that you do as far as politically, religiously, personally, whatever it might be. And no matter what my opinion is on abortion is that my opinion should not matter when it comes to someone else's because I don't know those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I really loved that she said that in the court case because that's not what we're fighting here. We're not right. Uh, Roe v. Wade isn't saying that abortion is is morally correct. It's not saying that it's morally incorrect. It's just saying that women have the right to choose that for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very important distinction here, and I hope that everyone can understand that and take that away from this episode. Yeah. So yeah, that is what Roe v. Wade was, what it created, and what it means if it's overturned. Man, I go out for one week and you just hit me with the hard stuff right when I come back. (laughs) I'm like, we could have done like a fun one, like Britney Spears wedding. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, Roe v. Wade. I thought it was really important to cover this, again, selfishly for my own, because I'm like, yeah, I mean, I grew up hearing the term Roe v. Wade tossed around like candy, but... right. I didn't know what it was. I didn't either. Right? So I just thought it was really important for anyone else out there that didn't know what it was about and what it means and what it means if it goes away. That's what it is. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you. So yeah, you guys are welcome. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you continue to do some more research. There are tons of other cases out there that have been affected by this. And I know it's such a polarizing thing, especially in America. That's just what we're good at. We're good at taking a decision and splitting it down the middle. (laughs) Um, That's what we love to do here. So anyway, 
Man, thank you for pulling that all together. Um, I definitely learned a ton today. I have a lot to think about as a takeaway. And I think, um, yeah, just definitely learned a lot today. And I'm sure that wasn't an easy an easy one to research. And I'm sure there was a lot of source material that you could have gone down. And it just seems like a lot of information to pull together in like one episode. So thank you for taking the time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think the biggest thing is that like, I didn't want to make this really an opinion piece. I wanted to make it more factual. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think my opinion kind of shown. It was sprinkled. It's, it's okay. Sp- it was sprinkled about. It's okay. <laughs> so, Our opinions are sprinkled throughout this whole yeah. podcast. And hey, guys, my opinions are mine. If they're not yours, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of the beauty of the free world is that we are all entitled to our own opinions. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you guys do want to check out some of Michelle's source material, go to our website, historicalpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have other thoughts or opinions, feel free to shoot us an email at historicalpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you, um, especially those outside of the U.S. Always love a, an international view of things going on here. We, we kind of talked about that a little bit, um, kind of off mic. Um, just so interested in hearing the global perspective on the U.S. So feel free to shoot us an email. If you prefer DMs, we're on Instagram, uh, Historical Podcast. Same with Facebook and Twitter, all Historical Podcasts. So really appreciate the likes, the follows, the shares. Um, it really just helps support support us because we're coming up on one year, which is crazy. Um, so stay tuned for a one year anniversary episode in the very near future. But very much looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Michelle, for pulling this together. Um, yeah, and just just thanks. Thank you, guys. We love you so much. Deanna, I'm so glad that you were back on the mic this week. It was so nice looking at you rather than just an empty seat. <laughs> glad, I could, <laughs> glad I could provide some value today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. No, I'm so glad that we did this episode this week because I feel like I did not know any of that and I've learned so much. Well, yeah, and it's so timely. I didn't realize there was so much. I mean, I knew there was stuff going on, but I didn't fully understand it. So now I do. Same. So thanks. Yay, learning and stuff. Yay.